This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will be even brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Lord, would you help us, help us tonight as we look into the Scripture and help us to, to uh, adjust our living style, our lifestyle, Lord, to, to better reflect your command of the kingdom, Lord, as you sent your disciples. You sent them out and you gave them this command, Lord. So too we, Lord, ask that you would help us to live in such a way, Lord, that we bring honor and glory to you, Lord, in this manner, in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a world that's hostile, right? It's hostile to us. If you haven't figured that out, you're going you're gonna to figure it out soon enough. The scripture commands us that we should not love the world nor the things of the world in 1 John chapter 2, that the things that we are, that are tempted, even we as believers can be tempted and drawn away by this. The, the words that Jesus gives us here are depicting us how easy it is to live or how, how difficult it is to live in the, in the, the world where, where you're, you're feeling hostility all around you. The world system, very world system around us vexes our flesh. Everything around us puts pressure on us because we're believers in Jesus. And so the more, because the ways of the kingdom are almost directly contrary to the ways of the world. The ways of the kingdom are are rub against the ways of the world. And so the ways of the kingdom, as we adopt them, make us walking into the, into the flow. We're, we're going the wrong direction. We're the people who are the freak show. We are the ones that are, that are left out. And uh, uh, speaking in, in Peter, it talks about how Lot was vexed in his very soul by the things that were happening all around him. They're very things he sees everywhere he goes uh, vex his soul and make it impossible almost for him to live for the Lord underneath those, those circumstances. Uh, the worldly system that works, we are reminded in Romans chapter 8, works directly against the way that things happen in the kingdom of God. So the flesh works directly against the spirit. The mind of the flesh works against the mind of the spirit. The mind of the spirit is directly against the mind of the flesh. So if we're living in a fleshly world, in a carnal world, and we're trying to live by the spirit, it's going to be hard from the jump. Right? It's going to be difficult from the very beginning. It's going to be difficult from the, the hardest moment of, of the day will be the day when you step out and you declare yourself for the Lord. And there are, there are spirits of the age that are trying to dupe us. And not, not every person that is against us is truly against us. They're just inspired by the world system around them to, 
to be hateful or, or to be uh, against us in, in such a way that it's, it's difficult for us to, to press in. Even we can be easily won over by the things of the flesh, and it's too often this is what's happening in the, in the church, that the people, they, they take a stand for the Lord, and then as they, as they work in the world, their standards erode, and they become less and less uh, uh, lined up with the things of the kingdom, and more and more compromising with the things of the, of the world around them. And you have to ask yourself, is this the way that the world thinks, is this is the, or is this the way that the kingdom operates? And, if, and I have to adjust myself over and again, my attitude and, and my, <coughs> my determination to live for the Lord has to be constantly tweaked and adjusted so that I keep pushing forward to the things of God. Do we judge people? <coughs> as whether or not they're deserving of a blessing? Do we look at people and say, oh, I'd like to bless that one, but I don't know if they're really deserving of the blessing? Because that's not the way the kingdom thinks. Are we trying to earn this grace that we sang about tonight? Because that's not the way the kingdom thinks. Are we seeking to influence people by power rather than by prayer, by lording it over, by, by threatening them, <coughs> or just... Just praying for them and trying to move them in the direction of the kingdom of God. Are we living from popularity or from purity? Are we doing what's popular and what everybody else is doing? Or are we doing what the kingdom of God says? The kingdom of God says this is the way. You should walk in the way. And other people say, oh, that's just old-fashioned. But God hasn't changed his mind. So if we adjust ourselves to live according to the popularity around the world rather than than, than the, the purity, the, the, the standards that God gives us without compromise, then we're going to constantly be at war with the, with the world around us. Not in the sense that we're attacking them, but in the sense that we're struggling against them. Sometimes it's just easier to go with the flow. And it's difficult. We struggle because we're trying to go uh, the, the Lord's way. We're trying to keep moving the Lord's way. We see evidence from it. I have a friend of mine who, who uh, is always berating the evangelical church for this, that, and the other thing. Ever since he left the evangelical church, now he berates the evangelical church. And uh, <clears throat> it's been my experience that the way people say that, to the point now, to the point that in this month's Christianity Today, there, there's an article about whether or not we should throw away the term evangelical because it's, because it's got such a taint on it from the, from the, to the world. So maybe we should just call ourselves followers of Jesus or Christians rather than, than evangelicals. But there are certain Christians who tell the gospel and other Christians who don't, you know, that's just the way it is. And the ones that tell the gospel, who, who spread the evangel, the good news of God, those people, they're the ones who are called evangelical, you know. And so it's a good word. I think, you should, I think we should keep it. But the, the reality of it is that, that if to, for the evangelical church to actually be thinking about getting rid of the name evangelical means that it's got such stink on it because of the, the way the world views that 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 particular nomenclature, that it, it changes the way that we look at ourselves. And we have to determine that 
this is the way we're going to live our life, whether you like it or not. Whether they like it or not. We have to determine that this is what we're going to do because this is what God has called us to do. We're supposed to be doing these things. We're supposed to be living our life this way. We're supposed to be standing strong in a culture. And it's difficult. And if it's difficult, we think that only the only people who can do it are Christian superstars. So we're always trying to pray down our cape and pray up our tights, you know, so that we can be Christian supermen and, and, and stand against the flow. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying here in this passage of Scripture. He's not saying, be supermen. I, behold, I send you a superman in, in, into, the, into the world around you. That's not what he says. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. There's a lot of hatred in the world around us for Christians. I read this in an article as I was kind of researching this. It says, what is happening in America is an increasing hostility and intolerance toward Christian beliefs and values that many perceive to be an attack on religious freedom. In the current American culture, you are free to be a Christian as long as you don't actually live out your faith, vote your faith, or take a stand in relation to your faith, or believe others should embrace your faith. In other words, it can be privately engaging, but it must remain socially irrelevant. That's Dr. James Emery White who writes this. In other words, we, you, just, you, could, you could believe that, just shut up about it, and don't do anything that your faith says because it's offensive. British cabinet minister Baroness Worsey expresses her fear about the marginalization of religion and uh, specifically Christianity throughout Britain and Europe. She says this, My fear today is that a militant secularization is taking hold of our societies. One of the most worrying aspects about this militant secularization is that at its core and in its instincts, it is deeply intolerant. It demonstrates similar traits to totalitarian regimes, denying people the right to a religious identity. You cannot extract Christian foundations from the evolution of our nations any more than you can erase the spires from our landscape. Now, if you think those are just Christians that are blowing up, Baroness Worsey is a Muslim who says that she sees that this, even in Europe and in England, that there's this warfare against... So if it's in England and it's in, in, uh, in Europe and it's in America, if we just take that, that as, as truth, as gospel truth there, then we really are living as as people who are living in a hostile environment. And they're really, honestly, if you think of it, there is nothing more hostile than sheep in the midst of wolves. Right? If God says, I am sending you out as a lamb in the midst of, the, of wolves, imagine in your mind what that lamb looks like as it's standing in the middle of a pack of, of wolves. What do you think that lamb is thinking? Something ain't right here. Mama, where'd you go? Right? In these last moments before the lamb becomes lamb chops, the lamb is looking around, seeing itself completely and totally vulnerable 
without protection, what does the lamb use to defend itself? you have any idea? It has nothing. It has nothing to do. The only offensive thing about a lamb is its smell. That's the only offensive thing. And the wolves like their smell. So there's nothing, no way, no possible way. How does Jesus say we're supposed to live? We're supposed to live as lambs, shrewd, shrewd, and innocent. Wise and pure. Shrewd living is the kind of wisdom that comes with the wisdom from heaven. In other words, shrewd living is the wisdom of God flowing into our lives. And that means we have to be careful because we know at any moment the wolves can turn on us. At your job, the wolves can turn on you. You say, oh, they like me. Yeah, they like you. On the plate, next to pork chops, next to, next to the mashed potatoes and near the gravy. They like you. That's how wolves like lambs. You say, you don't understand the people I work with. No, they really, they really like me. Until you take a stand against what they like more than you. You say, well, that's a horrible way to look at life. I agree. It's the command of Jesus. That's the way we're supposed to live our life. Looking at others like that. We should be careful to live our life wise and to represent Christ well under every circumstance. We don't have the luxury to flesh out. Mm, I know we don't want to hear that. We want to have the luxury to flesh out. You know, I'm only human, you know. Look at the stink that was made over the president using foul words. He says he didn't use the foul words, but somebody in their room was using foul words. In fact, everyone in the room was using foul language. That's what the enemy does. The enemy takes something that you say and makes that the issue rather than making the issue the issue. There's no room for intolerance. I'm not excusing the president if he said those things. I believe that he should apologize to people if he's if he said those things but the reality of it is in fact he would have this thing would have been over in a heartbeat if he would have apologized right away the reality of it is how we live our life is we're, we're determined to represent Christ we're we're called to represent him everywhere we go we should be determining not to be some kind of a pseudo-Christian, but rather to be honest and the real deal and be the real person that we could be and to be honest before people, not be playing religious games or, you know, spiritual games, not putting our pearls before swine, not, you know, that's what it says in Matthew chapter 7, don't put your pearls before the swine, don't give holy things to the dogs. Don't put precious little things out there for people who don't know about them to, to be stumbling over. Why? Live smart. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what it says in Ephesians. Live smart. You can't fake this. You have to, you have to believe it. You have to trust God. You have to ask Him for wisdom. You have to, and you have to be living a life full of wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, what's he got to do? Call the Pope? No. What's he got to do? Go to the library? No. Ask God. 
we, there's enough wisdom there if you just call to God. So we, we've got to learn. We've got to live our life wise. We cannot be people who are phoning this in, coasting through life. One of the things about January is the weather just sucks the life out of you, doesn't it? I mean, I sat in the front window this morning, looked out at the sunshine, and thought, it kind of looks kind of nice out there today. I knew that it wasn't, but I, I, and I talked myself, okay, you're going to get up and go to work. I live one mile from this place. You're going to get up and go to work. I don't want to go to work. It's cold outside. You, you, you have to drive yourself, move yourself, push yourself to do. This is not an environment where it's easy to be Christians. In the same way, you have to drive yourself and push yourself to do the things that God has called you to do. If you do those things, you'll be blessed. I have no doubt about that. If you push yourself forward, if nothing else, you'll be, you'll be well-disciplined. But the issue for us is that we don't like to push ourselves along. We would, we, we, we don't, we don't, we would rather just have it phoned in to us or phoned in for us. Don't put those holy things before swine, before the dogs. Be a prayer, not a player. Be a server, not someone who demands to be served. Be an outreacher, not a backslapper. Care about souls above everything. Care about your own soul and ask yourself to grow. Demand of yourself, I need to grow. That's what wisdom says, to, to constantly be evaluating. Don't react when somebody says they don't like the way that you represent Jesus. Don't react when someone says, I, I, you're doing it wrong, I know better. Be open to the rebuke. Be open to the rebuke. Sometimes it comes from the littlest mouth. Right? Be shrewd and be innocent. To be innocent means to be pure-hearted, to be unadulterated, to be uncompromised, to have no contamination, to have your heart in such a way that, and the only way to live in this world like that, I'm come on, it's hard to live in a world where everything is filthy, foul, foul, filthy, foul, foul, foul. You have to focus on something else. You have to focus on kingdom stuff in your life. The voice of God, you have to determine that you're not going to pay attention to the carnal culture around you that is drawing people, sucking people down into its vortex. Now, that doesn't mean they don't come to church. It doesn't mean that they don't, they don't uh, come out to, to hear the things about God. But it's, anyone can come and stand in the garage. But that doesn't make you a car. Anyone can come to church and claim to be a Christian, but God knows those that are really His. And He's looking for people who are not perfect, but who are trying to push forward and demanding of themselves growth. 
Pastor Matthew was telling me about when he was at the gym the other day, and he has a personal trainer that, it, that has been assigned to him. And so the personal trainer would say, watch this guy as he walks in. He comes in, and he's got the whole outfit on, you know, and muscle shirt and everything. And he walks in. He's got his bottle of water and stands over and flexes in front of a mirror for a few minutes, you know, and wanders over, talks to some guy over here. Matthew's on the treadmill. He says, I'm watching this guy. 20 minutes, this guy's walking around in the outfit, hasn't done one exercise. Looks good, but he's not doing the real thing. You've seen those guys, those gym rats, right? They just wander around, and they, and they, they just, they, they just like, want to talk. They don't really want to work out. They're, you know, they're, they're better for three hours. They come home, you know, whew, oh, honey, what a workout I had today. Had to carry that bottle of water all around. In order for a person to, to live a life as a Christian, you can't just walk around in your gym shorts. You have to do something. You have to push forward. You have to try to be the real deal. You have to try to reach the world around you. Jesus is sending them out into the world. He says, I'm sending you out into the world. You're going to be like little baby lambs walking around wolves. Jesus doesn't say, listen, I'm going to put some super britches on you and they'll never be able to get you. He says, you are completely and totally vulnerable. What's a horrible thing to say? But we are completely vulnerable. He says, I'm doing this so that when they drag you before tribunals and beat you, you can be a testimony. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God for that. You can be beaten and be a testimony. Aren't you glad? So they're going to bring you before the tribunals. Now, this is no joke. I mean, this is Deuteronomy chapter 25 tells, describes if someone is a blasphemer or someone does something, then you can get 40 lashes. 40 lashes is no joke. 40 lashes is a, is a, is a tough beating. I mean, that's like, you know... That's serious business. You can get that underneath the Roman authority. Anything more than that had to be dealt out by the Roman government. But the first 40 came from the, your own Jewish people who were your brothers and sisters around you. So I'm sending you out, and he said, and when they get the opportunity to beat you, they will beat you. And he said, I want you to take a look at that. This is why I'm sending you out, so you can testify. Not against them. Not against the ones who are beating you. You're not going to be like, oh, they beat me. No, that's not what the testimony is. The testimony is you're testifying to them as they beat you. Talk about the making the most of every opportunity. The wolves that are trying to devour you, I'm calling you to reach them. While they're beating you, I want you to testify to them. I'm hoping they'll get saved. Well, you will be too, because at lash 37, lash 38, lash 39, you'll be wanting them to get the Holy Ghost at some point along and stop the beating, right? The, the whole point of the matter is Jesus is sending you out into the 
wilderness to be abused. We talked about this Sunday a little bit about how sometimes it seems as though God has set us up to, to, to be put in a place really where, we're, where it seems as abusive. But that's the assignment. And you know what you say to the Lord when he gives you an assignment like that? Yes, Lord. Because Lord is the only way you, you, you can have that relationship with him. He's not a good time buddy. He's Lord or he's not Lord at all. Spirit has to compel something. When they throw you in the prison, after they beat you, they throw you in the prison. <clears throat> Jesus says, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to say. Why? Because you've lived the life, and now you have to have a spirit response. Trust the Lord to supply the words that will come to you. And this is so contrary to the way we are. We want to have our speech all ready for ourselves. Right? So we could testify and say the right thing and get off the hook. Trust the Holy Spirit. God will give you the words if you just trust him. Well, that means in order for us to do that, that we have to stop. We have to learn how to live without anxiety, without worrying. So, do not worry. Those are the words of Jesus. When we read that in English, it sometimes seems like it says to us, only worry sometimes. Right? But that's not at all what it's saying. It's saying to us, worry is sinful. Because to the extent that you're worrying, that extent of that worry is you trusting in you, figuring out what God is trying to do. It's, it's torturous. If we go to Acts chapter 7, we see that they arrest Stephen. And they decide they're, they're going to stone him to death. Actually, it kind of comes upon them at some point. He starts speaking, starts preaching, extemporaneously just starts giving them the history of Israel. And as he's making the point, you know, you, you had the truth in Moses, but you rejected that. And you had the truth in the prophets, and you rejected that. And you had the truth here, and you rejected that. And it suddenly comes on him that this is, this is who God knew these people were. And he writes, he says these, these things. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your forefathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers now you have become. You have received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you do not keep it. Now when they heard this, it says, they were cut to the quick, and they began to gnash their teeth at him. 
beginning, but being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and they covered their ears and they rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him and the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called out on the Lord and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Here's, here's Stephen, a wise, Holy Spirit-filled fellow who is now put in this position, exactly what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 10, to not think about, not worry about how they're going to respond. If I say this, they'll be angry. But rather, in fact, the th very thing that he's saying is making them furious. You can almost feel the demonic uh, stir that as he begins to accuse them of being the, 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 the false brothers, the, the, the persecutors of all that's righteous, as he begins to accuse them of those things, they stir up. It says that they drive him out of the town. They rush him, drive him out of the town, and then stone him to death there. And as if to prove that the Holy Spirit is in Stephen as they're killing him, he prays, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And we think, we think living is hard. Stephen is like a lamb in the midst of the wolves. And they rush at him in order to kill him. And as they're killing him, as they're, as they're throwing the stones at him, and these aren't little stones, these are big baseball, softball-sized stones, as they're clobbering and they're, they're, they're coming all over the top of him with these stones, that he's crying out and interceding for their very souls. I, I'm going to be honest, I don't have that in me. I'm going to be honest, Stephen didn't either. It was only because the Holy Spirit was on him. It's to the extent that we have been given over to listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and not looking at men's reaction, not looking at the way people... And we have to abandon ourselves to the way that the things of the kingdom are working and not worry so much about the earth. The earth is going to take care of itself. We have to give ourselves fully to the, to the surrender to the kingdom stuff in our life and let the Holy Spirit overtake us so that we'll be able to, in the moment of crisis, be able to say, Lord... Don't hold this against them. You say, well, did it, it didn't work. It didn't save his life. You're right. He was dead as a doorknob by the end of the chapter. But conviction came upon the one guy who was the chief witness against him, a young man named Saul, who became Paul, who became the apostle to the church. Stephen had no idea that that was what was going to happen to him. He didn't know, if I just hold true to the very end, it'll be worth it because this cat over here, who's the one who's trying to kill me the loudest, this is why Paul said, I'm the chiefest among sinners. Because he knew he had killed and persecuted the church. Stephen is not saying, oh, it'll be worth it because I know this is going to happen. Stephen is flying by faith. Instruments only. Can't see anything at all. Has no idea. 
flying a plane at breakneck speed, heading towards death right through the fog. Some of you may remember Eric Studoff, who used to go to church here. He was a pilot in the Mission Aviation Fellowship. Flew into Indonesia, missionary pilot. Well, when he was being trained, they would put this, this helmet on, a blackout helmet, where he couldn't see anything except the instruments. Couldn't cheat and look at the horizon to see if the plane needed to do this or that. He had to be able to fly just by the, by the instruments. Twice he flunked that test. Why? Because of his anxiety. Because as soon as he lost the, the, the horizon, he lost his ability to trust in his own brain, into what he sees. He had to learn to trust just the instruments that were on the panel. Almost kicked him out of school. Almost never did what God had called him all the way from Spokane, all the way to Chicago, to do this very thing. He almost flunked out of the program. And the reason was because, because he was trusting too much in what he could see. We're the same way as Christians. We're, we say, oh, I'm spirit-filled. Oh, I, I love God. I'm just listening and leaning upon the power of the Spirit. But really, we're looking out the windows and making our adjustments according to what we see, what makes other people happy, but, oh, the way things work out there. We're making that. But God is saying, listen, I, don't want, you, I want you to be in a place where your anxiety doesn't eat you whole as you're boiled down to just your, just your instruments. There comes a moment and a time in your life when you have to make a decision based upon what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If you're the leader of a household, if you're the leader of a ministry, if you're the pastor of a church... If you're the leader in some kind of denominational leadership, you will always have to lead people to a spot. You will have to take them there, and you'll have to know by an inner compass on the inside of you, and you have to have that developed. It doesn't come just at that moment. What, what Stephen is given is the gift of martyrdom. Martyrdom, martyr is the word for witness. To be a witness all the way to the moment of death means you have to abandon your anxiety. Do not worry. Well, when are you going to learn that? Today and tomorrow. And the next day. What a favor God is doing to you by giving you all this stuff that you worry about so that you can learn to trust Him for the future. Sometimes things, you know, come our, our way and, and we have to learn how to do it. One of the things I said is when I got cancer, I was no longer concerned about my retirement. Right? I promised the Lord, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. That's up to you. That's up to you, Lord. You take care of that. I've grabbed it back from him a couple of times, but I give it back to him. <laughs> we have to learn to live our life without worry. Don't worry about that. 
Don't worry about the things that you see. How can we be a witness? How can we be a life-changing force? How can we be a world-changer, world-shaker? All those things that we like to claim that we're going to be. When we can't even stand on our own in the face of danger and say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Call me whatever you want. It makes no difference to me. We have to learn to lay down our worry. We have to learn to look heavenward for wisdom and purity. It's the only way we're going to be this people. And we have to listen to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Why? Because in the future, you may need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit like that. Not, I'm going to go fast and pray for a week and hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Not, I'm going to quit doing this stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing now and then give, you know, give myself a time of consecration and separation so that I can finally hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because now I'm not playing. No, to live your life in such a way that you're learning the voice of the Spirit to develop that inner, inner receiver that picks up the, the voice of the Spirit to not re, to refuse to worry, to, to, to only accept the things of the kingdom into your life and to reject all the things that would, would carnalize you. It would make you fleshly. And then, dig up the strength and the courage to let your light shine in a hostile environment. Boy, that sure seems a lot harder than asking Jesus into my heart and walking down to the front of the of the sanctuary and having them give me a little booklet and have me sign my name on something. Yeah, I guess the gospel according to Jesus is a bit more complicated. That's the one that we're supposed to be preaching. We are lambs among wolves. We don't like that. As a man, I want to be a lamb, but I want to be on the inside. I want to be super lamb. I want to be able to rip off my fleece and show you the big S. I want to be conqueror. I want to be victor. I want to be the person who stands. I want to demonstrate my strength, but I demonstrate my strength by being the lamb in the midst of the wolves. Not by browbeating them, but by changing me on the inside. When I change me, then I'm more in tune with what God wants me to be in the world around me. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.boroughandag.org. Thank you, and God bless.